Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Father, we have sensed your spirit in our midst this morning as we worship you. Now we are expecting a word from you. Edify us through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Story of missionary that um, he was assigned to Africa. And so he, he went there, and when he got there, um, does this, I'm not sure if this is a, can you hear? Not yet. So he went to Africa, and, uh, and he got there, and when and we got there, uh, people will, were, just gave him a tour of uh, where he was going to work at, you know, the facilities and, and the place he was going to live. And then they finally showed him a car, a car that they wanted him to use. And they said, well, listen, here's this car. Um, the car's in good condition. The only problem that you'll have with this car is that you've got to push it to get started. Those of you who've driven a stick shift, you know that, you know, if, if you don't have the key or something wrong with the starter, you can push it and pop the clutch. And I did that many times in my former years. And, um, and so, you know, the guy said, well, you know, I, I want to use the car. So I, he figured, well, what I'm going to do is every time I go somewhere, I, I'll just make sure I park in a hill so that when I get, you know, I'm done, I just get in the hill, put it in neutral, let the car go down, pop the clutch, and there it is. And, uh, you know, few times that, that he didn't uh, have a, a hill to park in, he had people uh, push this car. So he did this for six years. For six years, he's pushing the car and, and pop the clutch and get it started. At the end of the six years, another missionary comes by to relieve him, and so he gives him the tour here, show him the facilities, the place he was going to live, and finally showed him the car, and he said, listen, I've used this car for the last six years, it's, it's, a, it's a good car, the only problem is you have is you're going to have to push it to get it started. The new missionary looked around and said, all right. So he popped the hood, and he looked in, uh, around the engine, and he saw a little wire that was dangling. And he took a screwdriver and a screw, and they put the wire back and screwed it in, got in the car, and turned the key, and vroom, started right off. For six years, the old missionary had to push the car because he wasn't connected to the power. He needed to be connected to the power. Are you connected to the power? Are we, is our church, connected to the power? Open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Now, as Jesus finishes his ministry, he's getting ready to go back home. You know, the, he delivers uh, his farewell address. We know the farewell address as the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. You know the story. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so on. But in Acts chapter 1, as, before he ascends into the clouds of heaven, he gives his followers a final set of instructions. So Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel, or to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put forth in his authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, this was not the first time that Jesus had talked to the disciples uh, uh, about the Holy Spirit. The first time you remember John chapter 14, and in verse 16, he tells him, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, another comforter, one who is just like him, and he may, be abide, he may abide with you forever. But now, in this verse 16, the context of John 14, 16, if you were to read a passage just before, John 14, 15, we should know this passage pretty well, because it says, if you love me, what are we ought to do? You keep my commandments, right? If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. Notice, then, that the promise of the Holy Spirit is closely tied to obedience, to obedience because of love. If we love Jesus, he, we will obey him, and in turn, he will pray for the Holy Spirit. And we're going to uh, touch on that uh, in a minute. But now, here in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is more specific. He tells his followers, he tells his disciples, not to leave Jerusalem until they had received the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples will receive the Holy Spirit in the very city they had forsaken their Lord and fled to save their own skins. They will receive the power to be strong and courageous in the very place where they were weak and cowardly. But now, according to the passage that we just read, specifically our scripture reading, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what was the purpose for the promise of the Holy Spirit. What does it say there? What was the purpose? So they could preach. So they could witness. That is the purpose. It's important you remember this. The purpose for the power of the Holy Spirit is to what? Is to witness. Now you may wonder why, if you were one of the disciples, maybe why, why do I need power to witness? I mean, shouldn't witnessing be a simple thing? You know, they spent three and a half years, they heard all that Jesus did, they saw, they experienced, it's just a matter of just witnessing. I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever uh, uh, were um, witnessing in a court proceeding, you know, you sit there and, and, and you, you tell what you've seen. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a hard thing. Now, the disciples, you know, they, they could have uh, um, argued and said, well, you know, we spent three and a half years with Jesus, we, we are his disciples, we're experienced disciples now. We went to AFCO. We took a class where it is written. We went to Southern and took the SALT program. We are okay. We don't need no power. But Jesus knew better. Amen. See, Jesus knew they weren't ready. Right. I, I will say you something else just to turn it around and, and, and think about this. I, I, I've mentioned to you that I like to watch, you know, cops and robbers shows, right? Law and Order and Blue Bloods and that kind of thing. And um, there are times... When um, a person is called to witness in, in the court proceedings, and because they're afraid for their lives, they don't want to witness. Because if they say something, then you're going to kill him and his family. You know the story. There's going to come a time when to open our mouth for Jesus is going to get us in trouble. Amen. 
and we're going to need the power that Jesus is offering in order for us to do it. Jesus saw something that the disciples needed, and I think we need him too. You know, they had, they may have thought they had all the experience that they needed, but you know, it's better to have the power of the Holy Spirit than no experience, than 50 years of experience and no power, and no power. And you know, um, the uh, book of Acts gives us a glimpse of what can happen when God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Go to chapter 2 real quick. You know the story of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 41 and 47. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all filled with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Imagine that. Peter, the one who was infamous for putting his foot in his mouth, now all of a sudden he changed. Something changed from Peter, and Peter preached with conviction and power, and, and, and what was happening there is that souls and hearts were convicted, and they said, we want some of this. Three th- imagine that, 3,000 people at once say, you know, I want to be baptized, pastor. Every day, the Lord was adding to the church those who wanted to be saved, those who wanted to have a relationship with Jesus, those who accepted the gift of salvation. And I mentioned to you before, historians say that within a span of 30 years, the disciples had preached the, the gospel to the end of the world. Paul alludes to it in, in, in 2 Corinthians. Imagine if the, the, the growth of the church had continued at the pace that it had there in those early days. The whole world would be Christian today. And yet, according to some sources... Christianity has uh, approximately two and a half billion adherents in the world today. Two and a half billion. That sounds like a big number, isn't it? Two and a half billion Christians. But our world is approaching closely eight billion people. So really, this is only 19 and a half percent of the world's population that is Christian. So clearly, the church did not continue to grow at the pace it did in the early times. In the United States... The decline of Christianity is at a rapid pace. A Pew Research conducted between 2018 and 2019 showed that Christianity declined 12% in the previous decade. Yeah, in our country. This is a reality. The Seventh-day Adventist Church, we, uh, there's a pro- just over 21 million people now that are Seventh-day Adventists around the world. Is that a good number? That's, that's a nice number, 21 million. 0.2% of the world's population. And we are told that we are to preach the three angels' message to every tribe, tongue, and people. And yet every day, we fall behind from reaching the entire world with the gospel message by 242,614 persons per day when we take into account the amount of people that are born and die each day, every day we fall behind in reaching the entire world with the gospel by 242,614. 
This seems like an impossible task. It's like an impossible task. What are we missing? What are we missing? Again, we see the early church, and you say, why, why, isn't, why isn't the church growing the way it did back then? What's happening? Are we missing something, friends? Or should I say, are we missing someone? After three years of intensive training with their master, the disciples thought they had every single point checked off on their checklist. They were ready to preach to the world, but then they heard something that they weren't expecting. Jesus said, wait until you have the power. Don't go yet. You are not ready. You don't have what you need in order to complete the task that it's uh, in front of you. Now, Jesus is the greatest leader that, 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 that has ever uh, put his feet on this planet. And he gave his disciples a reality check. And he's giving us a reality check. It was not the disciples expected. Jesus knew them very well, and he did not want them to start their mission without the power to accomplish the task. Don't go anywhere yet until you receive the power. Because you see, to become effective witnesses for the kingdom of God, we must receive the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. You want to be an effective witness for Jesus? You must have the Holy Spirit. There's no way out of it. And so the question that I asked at the beginning, um, why, why aren't we seeing this? The, the church was growing by leaps and bounds in the early church. Why isn't this happening today? Why isn't the church, why isn't every day people coming through those doors and say, I want a relationship with Jesus? What is happening? What is missing? Well, friends, we're missing the power. There's no fire. There's no fire. Have you ever, um, um, in your neighborhood, if you've been in a neighborhood one day and, and all of a sudden a house catches on fire? You know, uh, um, this is a statement from um, Christian evangelist Leonard Ravenhill. I found this to be true in my experience. He says that you never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running out when there's a fire. Likewise, if our church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. The community will already know. Huh? You know, when I, fought, when I got to this church from three and a half years ago, one of the first things I was told by some members and some of the, member, uh, the leadership is that our community, the community that this church is in, is very hard to evangelize. Some of you that have been here for a while probably can say, yeah, that's true. We, this church is located in a very affluent neighborhood. And... It's hard for us to, you know, part of, the, of how we reach people is to meeting their needs. And, and it's hard to meet people's needs that they think they don't have any needs, right? We got it all, you know. It, 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 we, you don't need, we don't need anything from you. And, and we've been able to, Henry, you know, we've gone out with neighbor, in the neighborhood with the bags. And, and in some cases, we've been able to, to witness that, you know. And, and you know, i got to be honest with you. I, I, I'm ashamed to say that I've sort of unconsciously repeated that, that statement. You know, this, this, the, com the community where our church is is hard to evangelize for that reason. And a lot of times we see that as an excuse. As an excuse. But you know, I believe God has this in this place for a reason. In, in his book, Fresh Power, 
uh, Jim Cimbala says that we can blame tough neighborhoods, postmodern thinking, and immoral entertainment all we want. And then he asked this question, when has the environment not been difficult for the gospel? Think about it. Think of, that, of what the early church faced in hostile Jerusalem and in the pagan Roman Empire. Yet they received power from on high and did exploits for God instead of just talking to themselves. Their preaching and witnessing had a dimension of supernatural ability that we are sadly lacking today. I'm going to say that again, because we think about, well, why is it that the early church grew by leaps and bounds? They had a supernatural ability that we are sadly lacking today. Mm. Sadly lacking today. And, you know, maybe, maybe the reason why we haven't, uh, or we're missing this power is because God knows that if we had the power, we wouldn't use it. We wouldn't use it. We do not understand that the purpose for the power is to proclaim the gospel and expand the kingdom of God. Some years ago, um, there, there are some phrases that Hollywood puts out that you know, we always remember. So the, the, uh, the, the movie Spider-Man, Peter Parker's grandfather tells him, with great power comes... See? See? Nate, Nate saw the movie. With great power comes great responsibility. Do you know that's a biblical, um, it is a biblical principle. Jesus said something similar in Luke 12, 48. He said, for everyone to whom much is given, uh, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, to him they will ask the more. So in other words, with great power comes great responsibility. Notice that this great power is available to us. But we have a big responsibility if we receive that power. You know, there is no question about the fact that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, not just for the miracles he did. Go with me real quick to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Gospel of Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Now Jesus, uh, after he's baptized, he starts his ministry. One of the first things he does is he goes into the synagogue and he stands up to read. And what he's reading, he's actually quoting from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And notice what he says, uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Now, when was Jesus anointed with the Spirit? When he was baptized. Remember, the Holy Spirit fell upon him, right? So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Notice, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him to help them do those very things. We are followers of Jesus Christ, but are we doing these things? Are we willing to do these things? 
See, the reason why uh, this power of the Holy Spirit is available for us, again, is to witness to the world. No power will be given by the Holy Spirit if we're not willing to be used by the Holy Spirit for this purpose. Think about it. Nobody gives a gift to somebody if they know that person is not going to use the gift, right? You give something to somebody, a practical, you want them to use it, and maybe later on you find out that's still in the box, they didn't use it. It's sort of like an insult, isn't it? Yeah. No reason, or the reason rather, the Holy Spirit is offering this power is that so we can boldly go where no one has gone before. So we can boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus. That's the purpose. God promised the Holy Spirit for that specific purpose. Yeah? And so we must be willing. If we're not willing to do this, then we will always be part of the Missing Power Club. That is the title of our message, the Missing Power Club. Do you want to be part of the Missing Power Club? You don't want to be part of that club, Mary. Not the Missing Power Club. Not the Missing Power Club. We want to be part of the Power Club. That's all right. That's okay. So maybe you say, all right, well, I, want to be part, I don't want to be part of the missing power club. So how can I um, ensure that I receive the Holy Spirit? Yeah? So there's four things as we wrap this up that we must uh, do, uh, make sure of as we want to receive the Holy Spirit. The first one, foundational and very obvious. If, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you must receive Jesus as your Savior. Yeah. If Jesus is not your Savior and Lord, then what do you need the Holy Spirit for? Yeah, so Jesus, your Savior and Lord. Is he your Savior and Lord? Because the promise is that the moment we accept Christ as Savior and Lord, the promise is, is fulfilled. It's given. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, Paul says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit... In our heart is a guarantee. So the moment you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, uh, uh, God has sealed us and given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. So if you want the Holy Spirit, Jesus must be your Savior. Have you accepted the gift of salvation? Now once we do that, of course, God fulfills his promise, and, and, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility. That's what we were talking about in our discipleship class this morning. We have a responsibility. In the book Desire of Ages, page 672, author Ellen White says that Christ has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church, and the promise belongs to us as much as to the first disciples, but like every other promise, it is given on conditions. On conditions. You say, well, what are those conditions? Or maybe what are the conditions? That leads us to the second point of what we must do in order to receive the Holy Spirit is that we must obey God out of love. Amen. We must obey God. See, now that you have accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, you realize that he died for your sins, that he, that he paid the ultimate price to save you. Your response should be, I love my Jesus. And because you love your Jesus, you want to show them that love. And the way you show them that love is through obedience. Again, we go back to John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. We must obey the Lord. Do you want the Holy Spirit? We must obey the Lord because we love him. See, see this is why we keep the commandments, right? Somebody asks us, why do I keep the commandments? Because I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? 
then, then there's nothing, no problem obeying him. Yeah. Imagine, I mean, if the disciples had, um, you know, rationalized and said, well, you know, Jesus is God. He went back to heaven. Surely he, could, he, he can give us the Holy Spirit wherever he is. We don't need to be in a specific place. We can receive him wherever he is. But no, they had to obey. They had to wait until the promise was fulfilled. Obedience is important. Later on in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, the Bible says, And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, uh, whom God has given to those who do what? Those who obey him. Those who obey him. So if you want the Holy Spirit, you must obey God out of love. And then the third uh, uh, point here, and it seems very obvious too, is that if you want the Holy Spirit, you must ask for him. You must ask for the Holy Spirit. Are you asking for him? Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks for bread from uh, any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Are you asking for the Holy Spirit? Every day we ought to ask for the Holy Spirit. In fact, I will say that the Holy Spirit is our greatest need today. Ask for him. And then finally, as we've been alluding to, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you must be willing to be used by God for the advancement of his kingdom. You must be willing to witness. If you're not willing to witness, you will not receive the Holy Spirit. You don't believe me. Christian Service, page 252. When we bring our hearts into, into unity with Christ and our lives into harmony with his work, the spirit that fell on the disciples on the day of Pentecost will fall on us. What does it say? If, uh, when. So it's like saying if. We bring our hearts into unity with Christ and in harmony with his work, his work of saving souls, friends. If we are in harmony with Christ, if that's what we want to do, if we want to be used by God, then the Holy Spirit, just the way it fell on Pentecost. We look at Pentecost, and Pentecost was the greatest event that has happened in the history of Christianity. The Holy Spirit will fall upon us, and we will have the same results today as they did back then. Do you want the Holy Spirit? Then you need to be willing to witness. We need the power. There's a, a one day, uh, one New Year's Day in the Tournament of Roses parade. There was a beautiful float that suddenly sputtered and, and quit. And it ran out of gas. And the whole parade came to a standstill until someone could go get a gas, a, a gas can and fill it and bring it back to the, to, to the, uh, um, to the, the float. And you know, the ironic and really humorous thing about this was that the float represented the Standard Oil Company. With vast oil resources, the truck ran out of gas, and thus it ran out of power. It needs power to run. Again, friends, think about Pentecost the start of the early church. And because they had the power, great things happened. And friends, I believe that the same thing can happen here. Amen. 
I believe, friends, that uh, uh, the moment the Holy Spirit falls upon us individually uh, uh, and, and we claim it, we ask for him because we've accepted Jesus, because we obey Jesus, because we ask for him, because we are willing to be used by God to witness, he will fall on us, he will fall on this church, this church will catch on fire and all this community will see it. They will be able, they, they'll be say something is happening there that wasn't happening before. What is it? Let me, let's go in there and find out. Do you want the Holy Spirit today? Are you willing to do what it takes to receive the Holy Spirit? If you haven't received Jesus in, in your heart as your Lord and Savior, that's where you need to start. That's where you need to start, and, you, and the promise will be fulfilled. Be willing to obey. Ask of him every day. Make that part of your, your daily prayer as far as you have your devotional time with God. Pray for the, uh, the Holy Spirit each day of your life, and then let, use the power for the advancement of his kingdom. Are you willing to do that? Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.